Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Startup Parent Podcast. This is the show where we get to talk to working parents, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and creatives about what it looks like to raise kids and also build companies. I'm your host, Sarah K. Peck. Sometimes I find myself asking, why is this so hard? Why is it so hard? And then I catch myself and I laugh a little bit because of course this is so hard. We're living in the middle of a pandemic in an election year in America with wildflowers. Flowers? No, wildfires burning and raging across the West Coast and hurricanes coming up through the East and the South and golly, this is a tough year. I'm going to share something that I think many of you will understand, but I have started and stopped recording this podcast episode, this specific episode, like 12 times, because every time I come to the microphone and I try to speak, my words, they don't come out in the way that I want them to. I am having such a hard time thinking and constructing sentences and putting those sentences into my mouth and getting them out of my mouth and into the microphone and then having them record. And so what normally takes me one or two takes is now taking me seven or 10 takes. And then, of course, I mean, obviously, on that 10th take, the microphone will get unplugged or a small child will walk into the room or the like settings on my computer will switch audio settings and will go to something else. And I just think to myself, like, what, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing and why bother? Like, why am I even trying to do this? I'm sharing that because I am still here and I am still going to record, but I think that with every conversation I've had with parents right now, this is about, this is about the like status check that we have. Why did it take me one hour to do this thing that I've wanted to do for 17 days that I just want to get done that I normally takes me five minutes that I wish I could just ship. So if you're feeling that I'm feeling that everyone's feeling that I am not going to ever be somebody over here that's like, hey, I'm a magical unicorn and I have all the answers. And let me tell you my six steps for figuring it out. Now, if I have, if I do find solutions or I find things that figure, oh, words again, if I find a way to figure things out, I am going to share them far and wide because this is really hard. that's what I want to talk about and touch on today is that this is really hard and that it's going to be important for us to be gentle and kind to ourselves and to stay stay aware of all of the things contextually that are happening that are causing so much of what we're feeling internally not to turn inward and think think negatively towards ourselves about how this is our fault or how uh, we should be able to just cope better or push harder or like somehow be able to make it through if only we can lean in or balance or whatever those silly catchphrases are that constantly get tossed to, to working moms. Today I just want to touch on the fact that this is hard and it's time for us to be extra gentle and supportive of ourselves. So it is September. We, I am back from sabbatical. I'm going to use large air quotes when I say sabbatical. Sabbatical. Because we normally take a hiatus in the, at the end of the summer 
to recuperate. It's something we love about the jobs that we've created and the lives we've set up. But this year, that's not what we did. We were going on six months with the children, home with us full time with zero childcare help and support. With the exception of the last couple weekends, we did get some babysitter help because we were moving. So we also moved, which was something that took us nine or 10 months to really get sorted and settled. So we spent most of August trying to figure out how to have two parents working with children home all the time while also packing boxes and having movers help us and then moving to a new space. So um, yeah, pass the coffee, please. These last six months have been insanely tough and they've been tough for everyone for a number of different reasons. And you are welcome to scoop up any one of these reasons that I'm listing and say, yep, me too. But uh, health and staying healthy and caring for people who might be at higher risk, losing a job, having job uncertainty, job scarcity, or just more work at your current job because of employer tensions or um, future prediction tensions or all the paperwork that has to be done between all of the tax code shifting and the, uh, everything that's changing in your job. Uh, the grief of a lost future, the plans that you had that aren't coming to fruition and the sudden changes we have to make. The loneliness we feel from social isolation and not being able to see people or even just go to our regular coping mechanisms, whether if that was for you going to a bar after work or going to sporting events or whatever it was, seeing your neighbors, neighborhood functions, your local community, your church, the singing group that you're a part of. Um, also, decision fatigue and uncertainty make this extra, extra tough because when we are in positions where things are constantly changing, that creates a lot of psychological stress. And as an example, you know, we've had the kids home for six months, um, which has been one of the longest periods of my life. And, uh, and then we got the go ahead for them to go back to daycare and they went back to daycare for two weeks, promptly caught colds. And now they are, <laughs> they're banned from daycare. They're banned from daycare until we can prove that they don't have COVID-19. And, and I'm like, it's just a cold, but yes, I understand completely why we have to do this. But we're going through the whole process of like extra paperwork and extra, uh, extra everything. This is, as an aside, this is one of the, I think, awful strategies that can happen in the dirty fighting that happens in politics is people will bury the other side with administrative burdens. And it's, it's what's happening to parents and workers all over the place. Um, employers and employees just getting slammed. We're getting buried in not just decisions that have to be made, but, um, constant amounts of uncertainty and then additional administrative overhead. So here in New York, we've moved, which is pretty challenging, uh, but we have our health, we have our jobs, and now, you know, bless everything that can be blessed. I have a home office with a door that closes and I am so thankful for that. So those three things, having our health, our jobs, uh, just colds, and this office keeps our spirits up. But Still on the inside of that, doing the nonstop job of running a company and parenting, uh, it let's just say that I'm on three or four cups of coffee a day, and this is not sustainable. Um, I've really been pushing hard for the last six months, and I, I know intimately well how exhausted and fatigued and overwhelmed so many of you are feeling, because I feel threads of it myself.
So I mentioned, I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, but in our house, here's a typical schedule. One of the things that we've done is, is get onto a schedule that's really helpful. And when we went back to childcare, I mean, I felt like the angels were singing because I just was so grateful to have my children have any form of time away from me. Like if it's <laughs> as a data point, my younger child, like the first day we dropped him off and he didn't know what was going on and he cried and screamed and he was like, no, and you can't do the typical drop off where you walk in with the kid and like see them because they don't want the parents to be in the building because of um, uh, just keeping virus spread down low. Well, I thought we would have a really tough week. So day two, <laughs> day two, he sprints to the door and sprints so fast in that classroom. And I looked at him and I was like, me too, bud. Me too. I love you. And we definitely need some time apart. Like, you, you go get that school. Mama's going to go get her work. <laughs> um, so, but in, when we, when we are in our, um, in our island without anyone else around, this has been our schedule. Um, I typically get up around four or four thirty, and that sounds really stressful to a lot of people, but it, I'm just happen to be a morning person. I know other people are night people. I tend to wake up at five thirty or six anyway. So this was, I wake up about an hour earlier to put it into context. And I take that four to six time to do things that I need to do or want to do and just get like something done in my workday and something done with exercise because I just feel like such a boss if I can do the rest of the day having done that. From six to seven, the kids wake up. We usually do family stuff. I cook breakfast. Um, my husband reads them books. We're together. And then my husband uh, spends the first two hours with the kids from seven to nine. And, uh, he, if, if the weather obliges, he almost always tries to take them outside, which gives me some space and quiet. And also he just tries to run them. Like, he's like, you will get energy out, <laughs> get it out. Um, so there's lots of playground and park adventures. If the playgrounds are open, then we switch at nine, uh, sometimes nine 30 depending, but, uh, he'll take the first chunk. I take the second chunk during our breakfast chat. When we eat breakfast together, we figure out like, okay, what do you have? What do you, I have? Okay. I have a client call that starts at 1130. All right. Can we switch at 830 today? We just make some micro adjustments, but for the most part, it's, he does the first two hours with the kids. And then I do nine to 12. I watch the kids. Um, and some days it's awesome. And we're sitting in the living room playing trains and everyone's peaceful and it's like idyllic. And then other days, um, if I hear the word mother one more time, it's been 157 repetitions. And then my four-year-old is threatening me. He's like, if you don't give me bacon, I'm going to leave forever. And I'm like, okay, dude, like I'm trying, I am trying, but I am not patient enough right now on those days, <laughs> on those days, out come the iPads. And honestly, like we use so much in the way of screen time and it's great. Uh, I love the Khan Academy kids app. It's been, so the amazing thing is my, Henry's almost two. When he was 18 months old, there was nothing. He was like not interested in an iPad, except for the drawing app, the blank sheet of paper where you can just draw with colors. He actually liked that one at a younger age. But now that he's two, the Khan Academy two-year-old setting is I, it's just clicking for him and I'm shocked because he'll sit there for an hour and be on the iPad and I'm like, I really hope this doesn't damage you long term, but also I don't care right now. I just want you to be on this iPad and um, and so they'll get iPad time from I try to wait until 11, but like, you know, every day is different and sometimes I just need to get the work done to 
mommy needs to keep her job, <laughs> you know? So uh, the Khan Academy Kids app, and then I downloaded on Audible, actually, I downloaded the Roald Dahl book set for my four-year-old and got him a set of headphones and he will sit there and listen to like George's Marvelous Medicine um, and so many other books, which has been wonderful. And then also Epic, the app, I think it's $7.99 a month, maybe it's $4.99, but it reads, it reads kids' books out loud to your kiddos, uh, which has been so, so wonderful as well. I went ahead and got a pro plan and then I shared it with my sister because um, you can have like five kids on a profile. Then from 12 to 1, my husband gets both the boys set up for nap time. The little one, um, he's not that little. He's actually quite massive. He gets a cup of milk and a book, and then he naps from around 1 to 3.30, sometimes from 1 to 4. Um, he is an excellent napper and would sleep sometimes for four hours. And I just get him up because I want him to go to bed by 7.30. I don't want him to be up till 10. So by 4 o'clock, we wake him up. Um, some days he's done at 3, like the, the two-hour Something happens at the tour mark and he wakes up. And then the older kid, my four-year-old, he gets to watch movies during nap time. And I'm like, bring on the scream time. Like now it's movie time. And he gets so excited. Um, if I don't have a lot of work, I sometimes take him on a solo adventure, but I'll be honest, that's like once a week or once every two weeks. Uh, but if I can take him on a hike by himself or like read books with him or do something, then we will. But honestly, he's also like, mom, I just want to watch a movie. And I'm like, you know what, dude, this is the longest summer vacation ever. So go on with your bad self because I also want to watch a movie. Then from four to six, we either keep working if it's a really huge day. One of us will keep working while the other uh, watches the kids, but that's rare. We really try to stop by four just so that we can have some family time and some exercise time. And then uh, it's our ambition that both parents get 20 minutes to 30 minutes of exercise time, which it takes us like an hour to do. So from four to five, one of us will exercise and we're dragging so hard by this time in the day that like it's four and we're like, which person wants to go first? And then one of us will finally start by 4.30 and the next person will finally start by 5.30. But in theory, four to five is one adult, five to six is the other adult. We both could exercise. And then we jointly do dinner, bed, bath from six to 7.30 and we split duties uh, so that um, whoever is doing... Basically, we kind of look at each other and whoever is more irritated will do the the activity that is less intense with the kids. But one of us will take the dishes, um, cleaning up the kitchen, uh, doing all of the trashes and recycling, picking up the house and then starting or folding any laundry. So there's about an hour and a half and one person will cycle through that for 90 minutes and the other person will cycle through bed uh, or bath time, pajamas, diapers, milk, books. I think there's three books for three board books for Henry and one big book, one chapter book for Leo, and then tucking them in at 7:30. And sometimes we tap out. So like after bath time, if you know the children have taken their <laughs> taken their bath cups and completely drenched the adult, and there's so much resistance happening between the children and the adult, and the adult's patience is wearing thin. They may they or I may walk out to the kitchen and be like, me, you want to take over now? Can you, uh, do, can you do the book time now? Can you have, do you have any, can I do the trashes and you do the book time? So we, so we swap, but we kind of make a deal to, uh, to, you know, meet by seven 30 with the house all picked up and done and the children all in their beds. And then from seven 30 to eight 30, we're recovering. And then we try to, we, 
try to watch like a one show together. So lately we've been watching The Great, which has been amazing. I highly recommend it. I liked it more than I thought I would. Huzzah! And that's it. So one thing this brings up for me, it just took a long time to tell you all about my schedule, but like I said at the beginning, the, my brain is where it is. So that's, you know, I hope that was useful in some way. Um, but one thing that reminds me is that like 40%, I believe, of families out there are headed by a single mom. So you're doing all of this without a partner. And that is unbelievably extraordinarily difficult. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I do know that I would be figuring out a way to do it. Um, if my partner weren't here, but I just like, it is so freaking challenging. So single moms everywhere, military spouses, people who have, um, essential workers for partners, people who have lopsided relationships that they are frustrated with, um, people who are taking on gender role expectations that they didn't plan on having. Like I, it's really, really hard. In my work with people in the Wise Women's Council and in working with parents more generally, I hear one of the biggest frustrations is not having alignment and agreements with your partner. I saw uh, there's a New Yorker cartoon that, I mean, it's on the nose. It's not funny, but it's funny, if you know what I mean. But there's a man who's down on one knee proposing to... Um, to a gal and he's like, will you take on more responsibilities and make my life better and do a lot more work and get married to me as part of the proposal? And, oh, I laughed, but it was a bittersweet laugh because I just know how true that is for so many folks. The way that we are gendered and cultured and uh, instructed on how to be inside of our partnerships can make it additionally challenging for so many women out there. And it, Every family is going to be different. Everyone's going to strategize differently. But I do want to encourage you, if you feel like you are stressed and angry about the unfairness of the situation, to find ways to bring it up in conversation. And I know that that's really, really challenging. Um, if it's helpful, my husband and I have been talking about doing couples counseling and um, partner therapy. We both go to therapy already because this pandemic has added extra frustration, right? It's made things more challenging. And we were on a walk and the kids were blissfully occupied. And I said, you know, I just, I, I feel like I really want to learn more about like how we can communicate better because I wouldn't want to get to the end of this pandemic and have us, um, like have all these patterns worn down of how we talk to each other in negative ways simply because two years passed and then we just got in this rut. So maybe we can just have a place to let off steam so we don't build up a lot of like calcify a lot of bad habits in the future. So it doesn't always need to be about fixing something. It can also just be like, let's take a look at something, um, if that's an easier way to talk with your partner about it. But also bringing up the conversation. And, and I think that rather than ambushing our partners, I need to talk about this, this needs to change, this has to do this, this has to do. That works sometimes. Uh, I like to start by getting small yeses and small opt-ins. So, hey, can we chat a little bit about um, bedtime? I need to, we need, something needs to change. I don't know what, but let's, can we figure out some solutions? So, good luck to you. I'm going to be, one of my goals is to bring a couple of therapists and uh, child psychologists and counselors and other folks on the podcast who can help 
talk about all of these things with us and give us some really good ideas and strategies. Also coming up really soon in one of our next episodes is we're doing a panel with Lions and Tigers and Mother Honestly and Weekdays. So Sean Akazi, Blessing Adishan, and Bria Starmer are all joining us in a panel to talk about to talk about why it's so hard for working women, what women can do, what parents can do, what employers can do to support working parents, and how to, this is exciting, but how to set up micro schools and small pods if that's something you're looking to do. So we've got resources coming down the pike. Well, let me get back to my main point. And that is that this is so much harder than most other things that we've lived through. And it's hard for so many reasons, like I mentioned at the top of the episode. And what I'm noticing, the wild thing that I'm noticing, I don't know if you all know this, but I have a background in psychology. That's what I studied in school. And I did my honors thesis on environmental psychology. So the study of human behavior. So I don't know if I, if I hadn't learned so much about how the environment can influence you and how context can create certain conditions. We did, I did, um, I did a lot of study of abnormal psychology and I worked in a psychiatric inpatient hospital as well. So just looking at how we, how we respond to environments and how, and how our psychology changes given different stressors and contexts has been something that I've studied and now have in my lexicon and understanding as a human. I don't think I'd be able to have seen it so clearly if, if I had, didn't study this. So the wild thing, what I'm observing about all of this is I'm watching myself and realizing how much my brain and my emotions and my resilience, all of these things are, are changing. Um, decision fatigue is real. Analysis paralysis, real. When we are socially isolated and socially distanced and when we don't have enough community support and connections, it is awful for us. We are a social species. So the mental health crisis that's on us in terms of feeling despair, feeling lonely, feeling overwhelmed, feeling um, on the edge fringe or deep inside of burnout, right? If you're feeling like you can't get anything done, you don't even know where to start, you are overwhelmed and you're frozen, that can be a sign of burnout. This is all very predictable given the situation that we're in. And I can see it happening. Like I can feel it happening where my... um, my worry brain and my inner tape and my inner dialogue starts to get a little more negative and a little more, um, what's a good word? Ruminative, melancholy, those small voices that I'm normally stable and I'm able to say, you know, oh, this will turn out all right. Or I'm not too worried about this or let's go or let's get it. Instead, I'm like, well, what? I will replay things over and over. Ugh. Bad situations will feel stickier for a longer time. I'm unable to recall words as quickly. Like coming up with words on the spot, which felt really easy, is so much harder for me right now. I'm less patient than I normally am. 
my irritability levels are higher. Like I get angrier, I get more quick to um, feel frustrated by lots of things. All of this I can see and, and kind of chart these data points and say, oh my goodness, like this is how all of this is affecting me. I don't know about you, but sometimes in the morning when I have my two hours and I have a to-do list to do and I'll say, oh, I've got, you know, I've got a podcast and then I've got the other podcast and I've got the content for the school coming up and I've got, you know, this and that and I'm starting to plan. If I think about too many things at once, I feel frozen. (laughs) I'm actually like, oh, there's no way I can do all of this. And it's everything I can do to try to winnow down my like viewfinder and just focus on one teeny tiny thing. And I'll just say, okay, today, and this is actually what I'm doing today, by the way, today, all you're doing is trying to start record this podcast, starting to record this podcast, like this one single episode. That's all we're going to focus on today. One single episode. It is hard. So if you're listening to this and you feel any of these things, this is an incredibly challenging situation, moving uh, a pandemic relationships, the pressure on partnerships, jobs, job loss, health, health insurance, loneliness, isolation, uncertainty about the future, lack of leadership, grief about what we had been hoping would come. Like This is all so much pressure that you are under and it makes so much sense to me that I am starting to feel the cracks at the edges. Like my psychological makeup is, I mean, it's great, right? But it will respond to these kinds of stressors in predictable ways. So you are not alone and you are not wrong. And, um, and it's also probably not very fun to be experiencing this if you are experiencing it. So what do we do? What do we do? You know, we're at that, we're also at the junction where, yes, I know it's hard. (laughs) Stop telling me it's hard. I know it's hard. What do we do? (laughs) So I'll give you a couple of recommendations. And I really encourage you to come listen to the panel that we have with Lions and Tigers coming up. It's so good. I'll be playing a replay here on the podcast. But a couple of recommendations to start. Be really kind to yourself. Like Remember that it, this is an extraordinary situation. So, so you, it's okay to lower your expectations. You do not have to be the best, most perfect version of yourself amidst all of this. Um, drop the ball a lot. Lower your expectations wherever you can, as much as you can. Like if you can focus on one thing that you really want to keep on keeping on, that can give you some of that hope and that satisfaction and that feeling of competence, but then everything else, if you can cut it back and not try to do all the things that you normally do. I know it can feel depressing depressing and discouraging. I've been through this with both of my postpartum periods where I just wanted to do so much work and I did not have the bandwidth or the capacity. In, on the home front, parents I know have said they don't do baths nightly anymore, like skip baths. They only need one once a week unless they're super sweaty. Uh, we don't change the kids out of their pajamas anymore. If they're not going to school, they can just wear their pajamas for 24 hours and that's cut our laundry load in half, which is amazing. We've added structure to the day, which really helps. My older one knows how to read the clock, so I've been uh, telling him what time certain things will happen. That's been really useful. And then, you know, Radical times like this may call for radical thinking. There, we might not be able to get out of this by just trying to do things the way they've always been done. And here at Startup Parent, one of our core missions is that we don't have to do things the way they've always been done. We want to try to invent a new future. 
Now that's really hard to do when you're buried underneath children and work and all this stress. So think about this in terms of like, what is the one move I could make that could have the greatest impact? Um, what is one thing I could change? Maybe that's childcare. Maybe that's cutting your job hours in half. Maybe that's having moving a parent in with you. Maybe that's joining a house with another family. Uh, maybe that's giving up on meals and meal planning and saying we are going to order all pre-made meals from Fresh Direct and they're going to arrive every Monday. Whatever it is, like whatever can move the needle the most for you to give you the most space right away is probably the next best step. There are families out there using weekdays. I don't know if you've seen joinweekdays.com. That's by Shauna Kazi. She is going to be joining on, us on this panel coming up. She helps families find, uh, find, create, and start micro schools. And these micro schools are family, six to eight kids, I believe, uh, six to eight families potentially. And it's you all collectively come and gather with one teacher. Maybe if you're a single mom out there, or even if you aren't a single mom, but you're a small family pod and you want to join up with another family, you could use a tool like Co-Abode. Maybe you hire a live-in nanny and an au pair or a house manager. There's plenty of people without work. Who can you employ to help you? Maybe you start working with a VA and just to gain some sanity back with your business. And the one thing that I'm going to do, and I invite any of you that want to join me, you're welcome to. Uh, I am, if you're on East Coast time, I, I don't imagine a lot of people on West Coast time are going to want to join me at 4 a.m., but... If you're on East Coast time, I'm going to be taking or trying to take a Thursday yoga class at 7 a.m. It's shorter. It's 45 minutes. It's one, with one of my favorite teachers. And uh, I just think it would be really lovely to see some familiar faces in there and to have something to look forward to each week. So if you want to join me, I'll post about it on the email list. I'll send a note out by email and I'll post about it on our Facebook group if you would like to join me. It's a 45 minute class, 7 a.m. Eastern time on Thursdays. So if you're listening and you're over in European time zones, it'll be like an early afternoon yoga class for many of you, 1, 2, or 3 p.m. And I mean, actually, honestly, maybe there's some Australian friends. I forget what our time difference is right now. I think that would be 9 p.m. for you, so it depends. And the class is called Awaken, so <laughs> it might not be a nighttime class for you. But the the elements of this are, is there something that you can look forward to each week? Is there something small that you can do that you can look forward to each week to help us get through what is otherwise a really rollicking, challenging, and difficult time? I would love to see faces I love and people I know with me on this yoga class. It'll also keep me committed because I know, like, I... At seven o'clock, I'm like, oh, there's so much work to do. I have oh, so many things I have to do. And knowing that there are other faces there would be a really, would really be a delight for me. So I'll post about it in our Facebook group. I'll send a note out by email. If you're not on our list, then come join me. Thanks, everyone. I know this is just the hardest. It is so hard right now. And let's find those tiny things to look forward to. I hope some of these tips were useful. Um, and until the next episode, please do take care of yourself. Be extra kind, be extra gentle, drink extra water, um, make yourself a foamy frothy latte if that's what you need. I just made myself my second cup of coffee for the day and I'll see you on the next episode.